Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 5, Episode 13, the series finale, titled An Enemy of Fate. Alright, I'm just gonna say it. This is quite possibly one of the greatest series finales of all time. It is perfection. It is flat-out perfection. In literally every possible way. It's amazing. It, It really, really is. Like, it is everything a great series finale should be. Uh, it provides a fantastic and brilliant end to this story, to this giant, complex five season arc. Uh, it provides a Phenomenal send-off for these characters. Uh, it's very satisfying, just on a nostalgia level. Like, you see these little Easter eggs. It's just like, yes, this, like, very clearly, like, a bunch of stuff's being brought back around, and I love it. Uh, and all of that, plus the most emotionally devastating thing you've ever seen in your entire life. Uh, the, I, I dare you to watch this episode and not... At least come close to crying once. I dare you. I dare you to watch this finale. Having watched the entire series, that's an important caveat. I- I'm guessing if you haven't seen the show before and you're just coming on the finale, you don't care. Uh, but <laughs> having watched the entire series, I dare you to watch this finale and not at least be on the verge of tears one time. It's impossible. It's flat out impossible. I've tried. I've tried multiple times. Like, freaking, like, Walter says, you are my favorite thing, Peter. And immediately, like, just my face is drenched. And I'm just like, what? No, no, stop it. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Damn you eyes. Damn you tear ducts. Uh, Like, it's just flat out impossible. This, this finale is incredible. It really, really is. It is just absolutely goddamn perfect in every possible way. It's amazing. It's just so amazing. So, let's let's just get right into this. This is going to be like five hours long. So, this episode picks up right where the last one left off. Uh, September has gone to December to get his help uh, retrieving this one piece of the machine that he's building. Uh, this is the trigger device for the entire machine. Without this, the machine cannot function at all. It is broken. December needs to go into 2609 and get a new one. And we have this great moment of September convincing December, trying to convince December that these people are worth saving. These people are worth saving. These people are worth saving. And by the way, we do figure out that apparently all 12 members of the original science team were... uh. Absorbing emotions. 
It wasn't just September. It wasn't just August. They all had some form of emotion penetrate them. And they just... Most of them kept it hidden. Most of them kept it locked away. But it made all of them kind of not really uh, happy with uh, the whole idea of conquering this era. Uh, And apparently they were not told. They were not told what their true mission was. They were not told... Uh, why they were observing things. They were just told, go observe. They were just told, uh, go through time now. But they did not know (laughs) that they were uh, prepping humanity to be conquered. And September eventually convinces December to go into 2609, to go and get this part. Uh, And so, he's going, he's doing the thing, Uh, and that's that. That's happening. Clearly, there's no possible way that that can go wrong. Immediately, that goes wrong, because when Olivia and Astrid go to to get the part back from December, uh, turns out December's been killed, and the part's been taken by observers, and taken to Windmark, who now knows very much about what their plan is. So there's that. Uh... So, that machine, it's not going to work. That machine is dead. Uh, Everything about that plan is gonzo. Now, it is worth noting. I do want to point out there are other pieces to the plan besides this machine uh, that function in ways that have not been revealed until this episode. Uh, So, basically, the machine powers up this wormhole. Beacons... Uh, sort of act to anchor the wormhole in two points in history, one in 2036, one in 2167. The magnet acts as a launcher to basically catapult one of the beacons to exactly the right point in time, to exactly 2167. Now, those parts operate independently of the machine. The only thing that needs to happen is a wormhole has to open up in time. However that wormhole opens up, doesn't matter. It just has to be that wormhole opens up between 2036 and 2167. This is when Astrid has the phenomenal idea to just hijack the shipping lanes. Use a shipping lane Next time one of those opens, next time one of those starts up, hijack it, use the beacons to redirect it from uh, 2609 to 2167, and then everything else just goes as normal. Everything else is exactly the same. Astrid just saved goddamn humanity, I just want everyone to know that. Uh, so... We are going on this plan. Now, for this, we need one of those cubes that Peter was messing around with way back when. We need one of those cubes, and we need to reverse the por- 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 reverse the polarity. I can talk so that it's sending rather than receiving, sending to the future rather than receiving from the future. So. We get started on that. On, we start retrieving certain bits we need from Amber. 
As if all this wasn't, uh, precarious enough. Of course, we know that Broyles has gotten found out as the Dove. Winmark, uh, sort of sets up a whole deal where they are tracking him, they are following him, uh, trying to see if Broyles will lead them back to the Fringe team. Broyles figures out that they're following him, and then sends them on this wild goose chase where he then, uh... Ditches his car in a tunnel, runs, and gets himself captured. Which, by the way, we then get some fantastic interrogation scenes between Winmark and Broyles. Where Winmark tells Broyles a story about the original 12 and how they succumb to emotions. And then Winmark admits that he is feeling hate. He has absorbed the emotion of hate. So now he feels hate for Broyles, for the Fringe team, and all of those people who are standing in his way. And then we get the typical attempts to read Broyles, and Broyles hangs on for a long-ass time. Uh, but when Mark keeps persisting, keeps persisting, keeps persisting, keeps persisting. We'll table that for now. There are a few things that happen in Walter Bishop's lab. That we need to spend quite a bit of time with. Because these are moments that are devastating. So Peter finds this syringe in Amber. Don't know what it is. Walter says he doesn't know. Uh, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then Walt- and then Peter finds a video addressed to Peter. Addressed to himself. And Peter pops that in while Walter watches. And Peter watches this video of Walter Bishop saying, Hey, I I sent you a letter. And you might be wondering why the hell I sent you this letter. And you tried to call to ask and I didn't answer. So you came to the lab and found me not there. So you're never going to see me again. I am living comfortably many years from now. It had to be this way in order to save the future. To save you, to save Olivia, and to save Etta. And he goes on to give this beautiful thing of like the time we had together we stole and I wouldn't trade it for the world. And then Peter like confronts Walter real time and is like, Hey, what the hell is this? And it's at this point that Walter confesses. The syringe is inoculation for time travel. He is taking Michael to 2167. Taking him to guide him to the scientist that will discover... Observers, essentially, that will discover how to create observers. Uh, Guide him to the scientist that will end up studying him and changing the course of human evolution. Walter is going to go with Michael to that far future. And when that happens, this will cause a paradox. Deleting himself... And the boy at the moment of the invasion. 
That is how the universe will heal itself. Now, worth noting. Uh, I know there have been some questions. Some people have scratched their head wondering how the hell this paradox works. Uh, why is the invasion the reset point? Uh, does everything else happen the same? Is everything changed up? Like, how does how does this work? Da, 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 da. I'm going to uh, try my best to explain how time travel, or how time paradoxes, rather, I should say, works in this universe. So, picture time as a pot of spaghetti. I swear this will make sense in a minute. Picture time as a pot of spaghetti. And a paradox as a spaghetti strainer. The type of reset that Walter is talking about as a spaghetti strainer. Now, when this reset happens, when we have someone go to 2167, change the future, thereby changing the past, that future people will alter, blah, 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 blah. When that happens, the pot of spaghetti is dumped into this strainer. Now, there are elements of that pot that are small and insignificant and malleable enough, the water, to go through the holes of the strainer into the sink, which in this case represents the past. I'm mixing my metaphors here, but you get the point. Those small, insignificant particles go down through the holes into the sink. But the spaghetti, the solid, dense, heavy mass cannot go through that strainer. Otherwise, the fabric of the universe just completely decimates. Like, stuff so heavy, so solid, so cataclysmic that it just can't break through that barrier. So you have these, like, small, malleable remnants in the water, but not that dense, heavy stuff. In this scenario, the original 12 science team are the water. They're the elements that are small and insignificant and malleable enough that they were, that they can go through. Changing some destinies here and there, but at no point altering the flow of humanity. At no point drastically altering the flow of the human race. But the rest of the observers, the invading force, Winmark and his ilk, they are the solid mass. That is something so big, so gigantic, so impossible to ignore for the timeline that it can't go through. It can't break through that barrier of the paradox. And... That moment where things get strained out is the invasion in 2015. I'm willing to bet that it's not just Walter and Michael that get deleted. I'm willing to bet it's the original 12 as well. I am willing to bet the original 12 also get deleted at that exact moment. And so this is how 
everything up to that moment in 2015 happens exactly the way it does. Uh, Walter's preparations, all of the Fringe Division's lives up until this point. All of that is as it was. All of that remains unchanged. It's that moment in 2015 onward where the Observer's meddling became so cataclysmic, changed the course of humanity so much that it became impossible for nature to ignore. All of that is what changes. Hopefully I explained that well enough for people to uh, understand it. I know some people are confused by it. Totally understandable. It's a very heavy uh, getting into the weeds topic. And by the way, there is precedent for this to be the case, uh, if you know where to look, if you know sort of what to look at. In the original timeline, uh, when Peter used the vacuum to destroy the alternate universe, thereby assuring the original, uh, that the prime universe's destruction, Obviously humanity, is, uh, obviously, humanity does not last long enough to get to that point in 2167. Obviously, humanity does not last long enough to get to that Observer future. I'm willing to bet that at that exact moment that Peter destroyed the alternate universe, all the Observers, all the original 12 science team, just blinked out of existence at that moment. Notice that in The Day We Died... In that 2026 flash forward, we never saw a single observer at any point in 2026. And also, notice that we never saw the vacuum at this point in 2036 in the alternate timeline. Uh, I'm willing to bet that in 2026, at around the time Walter was meant to chuck the vacuum into that time vortex in Central Park... I'm willing to bet that it blinked out of existence at that moment. Never to be seen again. Those are my... Like, those are my not at all confirmed, but I'm pretty sure that's the case, paradox solutions for this universe. Uh, So there is precedent if you do know where to look. Anyway. That's the petty sci-fi conceptual stuff. Let's just get into the actual motion because holy crap, this scene is a gut punch. Watching this moment play out where Peter realizes the cost of resetting time, of saving humanity, of getting his daughter back is giving up his father. Like, it's... It's heartbreaking to watch. It really, really is. And both Joshua Jackson and John freaking Noble nail it here. Uh, that whole, I already mentioned that line. I'm getting a bit choked up, I'm not gonna lie. That line of, you're my favorite thing, Peter, my very favorite thing. Like, just Walter explaining why he has to do this. This has to be a sacrifice he makes. And Peter just, like, trying to understand, like, why though? Why, why, why? Like, just, it's... It's heartbreaking. It really, really is. And this is an incredible, incredible scene. Uh, and not long after that, a little bit of a positive moment. Uh, Astrid finds Jean, the cow, the cow's back. Astrid finds Jean in Amber. 
and like she shows her to Walter. She doesn't uh, break her out because Ashton's afraid that they'll hear her moo. And it's a nice little moment. And then Astrid, like, gives a speech to Walter of, like, we are going to win. We are going to reset time. And when that happens, we'll be drinking milkshakes in the lab, uh, forgetting that any of this ever happened. And as Astrid's walking away, there's this beautiful moment where Walter turns to her and goes, it's a beautiful name. What is Astrid? It's, It's just, it's wonderful. It's just so... This episode is such an emotional powerhouse. Uh, and then, after that, as if this wasn't enough emotion to heap onto this, uh, it is then revealed by September to Walter that he has make, made the decision to take Walter's place. To take Walter's place in the future. Taking Michael into the future. He has inoculated himself uh, for time travel. By the way, it's worth noting, Walter inoculated himself in 2015. Uh, September inoculated himself. And... September says, no, I'm doing this. And he explains that... At the time, September agreed to let Walter be the one to take Michael. At that time... September had not fully developed his emotions, didn't fully understand his feelings for Michael. Michael loved September as a father from the beginning because September was his father. But September could never reciprocate that. September could never reciprocate those feelings. Uh, Just based off of the limitations of the chip. Based off the limitations of being an observer. And even after uh, the chip was removed and he became Donald. Even after that, he still kind of had trouble processing. These were new feelings. He didn't know what they meant. And it wasn't until Michael returned and Donald got to see him again that he finally knew. Finally, finally knew. This is my son, and I love him. He finally understood those emotions. And he played back everything in his head, going, Oh, God, I, this kid has loved me as a son would love his father, and I was never able to reciprocate that. I was never able to give him the loving father, and I need, I need him to know. That I love him. I need him to know that I am capable of feeling this for him. And this is how I show that. And so, Walter agrees. September is now the one to go into the future. Now, back to action-y bits. We need a cube. We need a shipping lane cube. And we need to get that now. So, we are raiding an observer facility in New York. Conveniently, this happens to be the exact same observer facility where Broyles is being held. They do not know that until they go in. But, they go in, and they unleash holy freaking 
hell. <laughs> oh my god. The amount of chaos they unleash on this on this facility. I honestly feel bad for the observers and loyalists in this because like they just go to an air vent. They go to an air intake facility. And they just jump a bunch of shit in to just have them go around the vents and they just make these observers and loyalists victim to basically all the fringe events all at once. Like literally all of them. Literally all of them. This guy's got worms coming out of his stomach over here. This guy's got slugs coming out of his mouth over there. This guy's head exploded. This guy's skin's translucent. Uh, this guy's orifices are shutting. Uh, this guy's getting attacked by imaginary butterflies. Like, everything. Everything's happened. Everything is happening. Like, it is a lot. <laughs> it is... A lot. And it's glorious. And it is so beautiful. I just love, like, this is basically, like, this is their one last tribute to classic Fringe. Just goes, remember this Fringe event? Here's that popping out of a loyalist. Remember this Fringe event? Here's that happening to an observer. And it's just this entire corridor of just these beautiful, like, blasts from the past. And it's amazing. It's so freaking amazing. Uh, they're able to find this cube. They're able to find Broyles and rescue him. Thankfully, he was in a room without ventilation. <laughs> Otherwise, that would have gotten really bad really quick. And they go to the site of the plan. They go to the site where the shipping lane is meant to open up. And they begin the final assault. They begin the final fight for humanity. This big firefight breaks out between resistance and loyalists. Uh, between the resistance and observers. Uh, fires being exchanged. Uh, Walter and September are setting up the final pieces of the plan. Peter's firing anti-gravity osmium bullets uh, that send observers floating up into the sky because it's cool. <laughs> I love that moment in the lab <laughs> where Walter hands Peter these osmium bullets. And Peter's like, if we shoot them, they're already dead. Why do we need them to float into space? Because it's cool. <laughs> Honestly... Totally get it. <laughs> I totally, totally get it. I I can sympathize. <laughs> it is, I must agree with Walter, it is cool. <laughs> it is very, very cool just seeing this, like, just limp observer corpse slowly floating into the air. <laughs> it's amazing. It's beautiful. But we're getting this fight happening. Uh, Walter attaches the second beacon to the magnet. Uh, September 
uh, reverse the polarity of the cube and activates it. So we are now sending rather than receiving. And then... Winmark shows up and attempts to capture Michael. Uh, and a big, phenomenal fight breaks out between the Fringe team and Winmark. Uh, Peter fighting Winmark and getting the crap beaten out of him. Uh, Astrid and Olivia trying to hold him off. Olivia getting into fisticuffs with him. And eventually, she gets thrown on the ground by Winmark. And I swear to God, the most badass death of any villain ever happens. Olivia's on the ground. Bullet from Etta lying next to her. And then you start to see, uh, start to see some, uh, lights fire off. Uh, you start to see some sparks fly behind her. And you, and you see Olivia get up. And as she gets up, like, more sparks fly. You can see the rage on Olivia's face. And Olivia uses what little Cortexa fan powers she has left. By the way, remember, um, it is worth noting that back in Season 4, Walter did say that the procedures left a unique biological signature. So abilities might develop at some point down the line. But for now, he can't be sure. Uh, so whether it's that or the little last piece of Cortex fan that got injected into her in 2036 is up for debate. But the point is, there's one last little piece of Cortex fan magic Olivia has to pull doing this entire, like, just rage machine, sparks flying everywhere thing and pulling this one car all the way up to Winmark, and just before he can get away, crushing him. Yes! <laughs> yes. You know what? You can't see this because this is an audio podcast, but I'm giving a standing ovation. Yes! Finally. Finally. Oh, God. Long time coming. Uh, Olivia, badassly, if that's a word, powered by Cortexafan, crushing Windmark with a car. That is the most cathartic thing. <laughs> it is just that living in my head rent-free. Just the image of Windmark getting flattened by a car. <laughs> that Olivia just... Used with her rage-induced Cortexafan powers, her last remnants of rage-induced Cortexafan powers, just crushes him brutally. <laughs> it's great. It gives me life. It gives me hope for the world to see this douchebag get crushed by a car. Love it. Just love it. And then we get this final sequence. And I love these these last few minutes of the show are just incredible. These last few minutes are on another level. And what cements this as one of the greatest series finales of all time for me. September goes to Michael and is like, okay, let's go. And they're running to the portal. And as they're running, September gets shot. 
falls to the ground. He is lying, dying on the road. He's not going to make it, and he knows it. He is not going to be able to go into the portal. He is not going to be able to go into the future. He is not going to be able to guide Michael, and he is not going to be able to do this thing he did to express his love. And as September lies dying, Michael, in September's last moments, reaches into his pocket and grabs the music box that September gave him just a couple episodes ago and starts playing it. This beautiful, wordless expression. Hey, Dad. I know you love me. You never had to do this to express it. I already know. It's okay. You did your job. And September, knowing that... He played his part in keeping his son safe and in saving all of humanity. Succumbs and dies. In that moment, without a second hesitation, Walter immediately goes, Now I have to do this. Now I have to take the boy. 22167. He takes Michael's hand, walks to the portal. We get this beautiful last moment where Walter looks back at Peter, at Olivia, at Astrid. We see Peter say the words, I love you, Dad. And by the way, the way, like, you see, like, just the pain on everyone's faces is they all know what Walter is about to do. They all understand what Walter is about to do. And you see this silent goodbye. And Walter steps through with Michael. And we then flash back to 2015, moments before the invasion occurred. Peter and Olivia are in the park with Etta. And there's this moment where you're unsure. There's this moment where in your brain you're thinking, we've seen this before. We know how this is supposed to play out. And there's this tiny bit of doubt. Uh, And the music perpetuates that doubt. The music is not yet happy. It's uncertain. There's not yet that emotional release in the score. There's this moment of pins and needles where the show itself is realizes this isn't the moment. We don't know that everything's okay until Etta runs into Peter's arms. We don't know. Excuse me. We don't know that... The observers are gone. And that Walter's plan worked. Until. That meeting occurs. That embrace occurs. And so you see Etta slowly running towards Peter. You see him looking over at Olivia. As he did before. 
And then in this moment of pure joy and beauty, yes, it is revealed that the timeline has reset. Yes, Edda runs into Peter's arms. And yes, they have that embrace. And yes, there is this beautiful, without them even knowing it, family reunion. And it's wonderful. All the pain that Peter and Olivia experienced, all of that heartache, all of that devastation from being separated from their daughter for so long, then being reunited for a brief second only to lose her this time for real, all of that hurt is gone. Walter erased it. Walter erased an entire civilization's hurt and the entire planet's pain. Walter erased an entire future of devastation for humanity. He saved everyone. In 1985, Walter broke two universes. In 2036, Walter saved the entire human race. This entire show has been Walter's crest for atonement. This entire show has been Walter desperately seeking to make up for his sins. To erase the terrible decisions he made in the past. The hubris of his past. The terrible, terrible things he did all those years ago. To wreck so much. To ruin so many lives. This entire series has been his quest for atonement. And he finally has it. He reshaped Humanity's evolutionary future. So humanity can be smarter. While still maintaining emotions. He helped create. Literally the best. Of humanity. The best of human evolution. And in his time. He saved everyone. From subjugation. But of course, we know that it didn't come without a cost. Peter and Olivia return home. Peter's looking through the mail. Finds a letter from Walter. He opens it up. And it's the white tulip. The white tulip that September took from the other timeline and gave to Walter. The white tulip that gave him so much hope, so much strength all those years ago. The white tulip that we didn't know what Walter did with in 2015 until now. Walter's final message to Peter. Things are going to hurt right now. I am gone. You will never see your father again. But there is still hope. You can still be strong. Carry on without me. And that's the end of one of the greatest shows ever made. 
I swear I'm not being hyperbolic when I say this is one of my favorite shows of all time. I swear I'm not being hyperbolic when I say this is one of the greatest shows ever made. This show was incredible. And I'm so happy I finally, after years of trying to make it happen, got to do a season on it. It is incredible. It is so, on a storytelling level, so brilliant and so delightfully complex. Uh, I've talked many times about how this is very good at knowing exactly what to give definitive answers on and exactly what to leave up to interpretation so we can have that level of satisfaction if you're just watching this casually. But if you want to break down and analyze little pieces, like break down everything and look for all the clues you can, uh, and it just adds more to the show rather than just making it feel like a chore. Its characters are perfect. Its characters are so compelling and so amazing and so deep and amazing. Its concepts are so fag- fantastic. Its concepts are so freaking brilliant. Uh, and it's just a beautiful series. It's a beautiful, emotionally resonative, smart, and profound series. It constantly evolved. Like, at no point did this show ever feel safe. At no point did this show ever feel like it was pulling punches. At no point did this show feel like it was just doing the norm. I think at every point in its history, it always kind of pushed the envelope of what they could do. What the viewers of the show would accept. It trusted its audience way more than the vast majority of network television shows, especially in 2020. Like, it never felt like it was talking down to the viewer. It never felt like it was coddling the viewer. It always felt it was challenging them. It always felt it was giving the viewer something that network television just wasn't giving them. It always felt like it had a bit of an extra edge to it, whether it was in complexity or in emotions or in genuinely, like, really, really out there concepts that can be difficult for a mainstream audience to truly grasp. Like, it always trusts its audience, and I think the risks it took consistently paid off and turned it into a masterpiece of television and turned it into something truly freaking extraordinary. And I love it so much. All right. So that's it. We're done. It's over. No more fringe. No more fringe forever. I might rewatch the entire show immediately. I'm I'm not going to lie. <laughs> There's a non-zero chance I'm going to do that. Uh So obviously we now have to figure out what show we talk about next. Uh I'm going to put a poll out tomorrow and I'll be back in the feed then to uh discuss what the options are there. That poll when it is out will run through the 23rd. And, yeah, the 23rd. And the season, whatever show we're discussing, the next season of the Television Archive will begin uh, on the 25th. It will not be as good as Fringe. I can tell you that right now. (laughs) But it will suffice. Whatever it is, it will absolutely suffice. Uh, yeah. We're done with that. Bye, everybody. Uh, If you like this, 
favorite the podcast, Anchor.fm, slash TV Archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as we go through every single episode of this and other shows, and you can find it on pretty much whatever podcast app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's as simple as just push a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark pledges a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, uh, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Uh, I'm going to put out a new episode today uh, doing another installment of the Rankening Fringe Edition. I'm going to be ranking every single show I've ever talked about on the Television Archive once again, this time with Fringe added in. Uh, where will it rank on the list? Pretty high. I'm not going to tell you where, but it'll rank pretty high. Uh, so we'll go through all that. That'll be a good time. That'll be out uh, in a couple hours after this goes out. Probably. We'll see. Who knows? Uh, or if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow with the Season 12 poll. Talk to you then.